Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles this morning with me to Mark chapter 4. It's Mark chapter 4. We're going to be looking today... Um, for those who were here last week, um, this is the second part of a three-part series that I'm going to be doing. I started it last week uh, called Outrageous Faith. And this is part two today. And what I want to do is with this series is just open up in this, few three, this next three weeks, or should I say the next two weeks, just to open up to us to refresh ourselves on what faith is. And last week, uh, the title of the message under this series was out, uh, under outrageous faith was fueled by faith. I believe that the Bible says that the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, we need to know what it is to live in this world of faith. What we've been hearing this morning is some testimonies, is some kind of, in, in the street ministry, is hearing people operating in faith. When Lee shared his testament just a minute ago, he said, I've been there all day and I've been given these sweets, but in faith he receives a word from God and he's believing all day that in faith he's going to release that on someone. He's living this life of faith. So many people I hear of different religions, they say, my faith is this and their faith word is only used as a terminology to describe which religion they have. But actually it's more than that. We said last week that faith needs action as well. In James 2, chapter eight, uh, 2, verse 18, says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And we talked about last week how we need f- for faith to be seen in each one of us, for a representation of faith to be seen, you have to act. You have to put action with it to see it. Otherwise, it's just dead. It's not seen. It's not visible. So it requires that action. I remember when I got baptized and I, I thought, well, why <coughs> do I need to be baptized? What, I'm not really sure. I've accepted Jesus into my heart. Uh, his spirit lives in me. But the baptism is a public declaration of our faith. It's basically saying in the tank, I'm publicly declaring this special thing that's gone on inside my heart. There was nothing special about the water. The water is just the same. It's from Cambridge water. It travels through the pipes. It fills our tank. But the key thing is this. It was a public declaration of faith. The baptism was an action to represent my faith. There's many ways we can see it. So faith is something that we all need to understand if we're going to live by it. If the righteous people, that is the born again believers, live by faith. We should understand what it is. We said, what is faith last week? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In other words, to live a life of faith, I'm afraid to say it's about living in the unseen realm. You will not always see the things you want to see immediately. You have to operate understanding that the kingdom of heaven, you can draw on the kingdom of heaven on earth, but sometimes we have to operate in the unseen. Blessed are those who don't see but still believe. Sometimes I think Jesus doesn't show us everything because it would affect our faith. He doesn't let you see everything. Sometimes thinking, Lord, why can't I see certain... I've prayed for people this week and they haven't got healed. You say, oh, there's something wrong then. No, sometimes it has just not happened. But sometimes it does. One thing I need to understand is and we need to learn very, very well. And I will speak on this one day in more detail. Is But we need to, we're understanding this more. We've got to be in line with the Father's will. 
We have to be in line with his will. It's a learning curve for us all. I believe the Lord loves it when we step out, but we need to be listening. We need to learn to listen to the spirit of God to act in faith. So that was last week. To live, if you haven't heard it, please please listen online. Fueled by faith. To live this life of faith, we need to be fueled by it. It needs to be our fuel to live. But today in part two, the title of this message is Faith, Fear and Future. Faith, Fear and Future. I want us to look at this Famous story, many of us have read it in Mark chapter 4, of Jesus calming the storm. We've all heard it, we've seen it when we were young in the, in the books, of Jesus calming the storm. Let's just pick it up in, first in verse 1, I want us to read Mark 4 verse 1. He says this, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So picture this, Jesus, if you're reading some of the other uh, Gospels, you'll hear that Jesus spent the day and he's preaching there in this boat off the shore because the crowd was so big they were all stood right at the water's edge. I'm thankful today that I'm stood on a stage and I ain't got to stand in a boat while I talk to you. But he stood on a boat to preach to the people. I want us to skip now to verse 35 to pick up a little bit later on. He's speaking to them for the day. He's speaking to them about the things. You can read it yourself. But a little bit later on, when evening comes, we pick up in verse 35. He's been on the boat. He says, Verse 35, that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along, this is his disciples, they took him along, listen to this, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This story has so much packed into it, and yet I've read it so many times about Jesus going out and calming the storm and the ability to calm this sea for them on the Sea of Galilee. But I wanted to just focus today on this story because it brings out a lot about faith. It teaches us a lot about our faith and fears as well. And also our future. One of the biggest things I think that we all grapple with with faith is fear. Is fear. Fear is one of the biggest things that will contest against our faith. You know, every time we go out on the streets and every time we try and meet people and share, a lot of people, their hearts are going. Fear comes in. And fear is one of the things that will try and rob you of your faith. If the righteous are going to live by faith, then we need to understand what this this thing about fear is that's going to try and rob us of it. Because I tell you, sometimes the enemy, the biggest, the, the key thing that he wants to rob from you is your faith. He wants to steal it from us all. When faith is activated by action, all of a sudden it naturally stirs up fears in us, doesn't it? And we get scared. 
Last week we looked at the, the idea that if we were to put our lives in faith, we start, we trust God with everything sometimes. We trust God with our futures. One of the things we looked at last week was the fact that sometimes the temptation is that when it's such a fearful thing to operate in faith, we look at the lives of sinners and we start to envy their lives thinking, why do I need to go through this kind of life of faith in the unseen when they seem to be having such a good life? It's true. The Bible says it in Proverbs 23. The writer says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Remember this, I've put here, a life of faith is better than a life of fit. We need a life of faith. It's better than to live with que sera, sera, whatever will be. Many people we know are like that. Whatever comes my way, then I'll accept it. But a life of faith doesn't look in the same way that faith does. The first thing I want us to look today about faith is this, that you need to be ready to take risks. You need to be ready to take risks. He says this, that that day when evening came, we read this, he said to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat and there were also other boats with him. He says, he doesn't, he doesn't suggest it to them. Jesus here commands to the, to the disciples, he says, let's go to the other side. Now I want you to just remember this just for a moment. When he says this to the disciples, some of these disciples in the boat are fishermen, probably some of them are not, who were there right then. But most of them, and I'm sure the crowds would have known, that the sea behind Jesus, the Sea of Galilee, it was known, it was notorious for storms to occur. If you read about it, you'll find that the Lake Galilee is known because of its, its geographic area. Where it is, is that storms would come quickly. If you read in Matthew, it says that the same story, it says suddenly, suddenly a storm came. As if out of nowhere. And I believe that the, the people, when Jesus says to his disciples, let's go now. We've preached here all day. We've, the crowds have heard. I want you to come with me now. We, we're going to the other side. Let's go. They must have been thinking, yeah, we're fishermen, but we know it's quite a dangerous thing. But yeah, we're going to go with you. And he commands, but he doesn't suggest to them that they should go. Jesus had many crowds in front of him. He had a massive crowd of people. In fact, the crowd was so big, he had to get into the boat to preach to them. In other words, Jesus had many followers on Twitter. But yet he was prepared to go over to the other side. How many of us today sometimes are so attracted to the crowd, some churches would stick right there and just look at the crowd. They would look at the crowd and say, this is amazing, we've been preached to this. Wow, what a revival. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to go to the other side. And actually to do the journey, it's going to be pretty dangerous. Because we've got no idea on this journey what is about to come. The disciples were aware of the dangers Jesus was. The crowds who were watching were. They understood that there was a risk involved. Reinhard Bonnke says this, faith involves taking a chance or it wouldn't be faith. He says this, it involves taking a chance or it wouldn't be faith. If you want to see God move, if you want faith to become active in your life, it's going to require taking some chances and being challenged to take the risks to go ahead. They knew that if they stepped out on those boats, even though they were fishermen, some of them would be thinking, well, I'm going to trust the fishermen. But do you know what? Some of the crowds that day would have turned and walked back and gone back to their homes thinking, yeah, I'm glad that's not me. I'm glad I'm sticking around at this side and I'm not getting on that sea. 
I don't know if you saw this earlier, but I've not seen it before. But in verse 36, it says this, and it's only quoted in the Mark version. It says this, there were also other boats with him. Now, this is key because I want to, I want to touch on this in some more detail in a little bit. But it says there were also other boats with him. Many of you know this story and you know it as Jesus is on the boat and he calms the storm as we've just read. But did you ever realize that other boats were following next to this boat? Because I didn't. Other boats were following next to this boat with the boat where all this story is going on. In other words, we got what the story we've just read, we've just read this, this first hand, um, the, the best version of the story because Jesus is on the boat. But it says there were other boats with him. Now I want to present to you today that there were three types of people that day. There were those who were stood right at the shore, dipping their toes in the water, listening to Jesus. They went back to their comfy homes that evening after they'd heard him preach. There was also the second lot. These are the ones who were with Jesus who had their boats, probably a little bit smaller. And they said, yeah, we're going to come across as well. And then there was the other boat that Jesus got onto. There were three types of people, those who followed the other boat. And there was also the crowds who listened. And when Jesus said, we're going, let's go over to the other side. For a moment there, these other little boats thought, shall we follow? Yes, we're coming as well. We're going to follow your boat. The crowds thought, we haven't got a boat. Shall we get a dinghy? Shall we do something? No, we'll go home. We'll watch EastEnders. Neighbors. Nothing. But they turned around and thought, we'll go back. There were three types of people. And I want to suggest to you, as a life of faith, you can be one of those three types of people in this story. Do you know what? To live a life of faith, for some people in this room today, and I believe God is going to speak to some people about this, but there is a call on people's lives to start laying down some certain things because he wants to use you in a greater measure. He wants to use you in a greater measure and he's calling you today. He's saying you're right there on the water's edge. You've been listening to the preaching. You've been listening to the things that God has spoken to you about. You've been listening to Jesus speak. And you might be right now stood on the water's edge thinking, do you know what? I've spent my life listening and I haven't bought a boat. I haven't got a boat to cross. Or you might have a little boat because you've invested. Or you might have the big boat to have Jesus on. You see, I believe that representation of this big boat that Jesus gets on, that he's on this boat and they're all with him. Those are the ones who are closest to him. Then the other ones were the the second class boats following on, trying to keep up. Trying to follow the other one. And I believe God is calling some people here To lay down some parts of their lives to cross over to the other side. And it will take faith to do it. You are going to need faith to do this. You cannot, money won't do it. It will not get you to the other side. When I left my job over a year ago, it's nearly a year I've been in the church now. There were so many reasons why I shouldn't do what I'm doing today. But there were also so many reasons why I should. I made a conscious decision six years nearly previous to that, that I gave myself in this church to the kingdom of God as much as I could to buy my boat for whatever God wanted to do, whatever that meant. And for some of you today, you may need to buy your boat. And that means invest in your time faithfully. You have to do this in faith. To act in faith. To start doing things preparing ready to cross over to the other side. How dangerous that might look. To buy a boat for them required money. It required money. Some people here might have to invest into their futures to go over to the other side. You might say, what does it mean for me? I don't need to buy any boat. No, you don't have to buy a boat. But some people here today, I believe this is... Speaking to some people may have to start investing into into tuition, into understanding, getting ready, maybe learning other languages for God to use them. And that might be your boat, so that when Jesus says the command, right, that's it, 
We're done here. Let's go here now. You're ready. You're ready to move with him. Because some people, I believe, in that crowd that day stood with their feet in the water will have been looking thinking, I wish I was on that boat with them. I wish I could go. I've enjoyed the preaching. But I wish I could go. Buying a boat for you may be your first step of action in faith is to release your destiny. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the ones who's just stood on the shore dipping my toes in the water, listening all the time. No, no, no. I don't want to be the ones who are stood there dipping my toe in and looking and then going back home every day. No. Every one of us in this room has an opportunity to fulfill our destiny in Christ. That doesn't mean you have to leave your jobs. It doesn't mean you have to leave your work. But there are things that God has put in you. He called you for this purpose. He called you. Every single person in this room can do something different to what I can't do. We've all got a reason and a purpose why we were designed. Why we were brought to this earth. And Jesus wants to use every single person. And I want to encourage you to live a life of faith. It's not just about preaching on the streets and acting and seeing miracles. It's sometimes about laying your life down. Investing into things for the future. You say, I don't know whether I'm ready to do it yet. I don't know whether I can do this yet. Is it my time? I believe you, if there's one thing you need to do is ask God to show you his will. And when he starts to drop things in your heart, start to feed into that vision. Because one day he'll say, and if you're not ready, he'll say to you, come on, let's go to the other side. And he'll look and see that you're not ready. Because you're not prepared. So many of us want to hear God say, come on, let's go to the other side and think he's going to hand you and download in your bank account all the tools you need to do it. But that's not the way it works. Faith comes. We hear the word. We hear what he has to say. And we start to act in it. Those who want to fulfill the destiny and do God's will are the ones who are acting now before they even see the full fruition of everything God has called them to do. In Psalm 78, verse 70, he says this. The writer says, He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to the shepherd of his people, Jacob. That's Israel. Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. David, it says here in the psalm, he took David from the sheep pen. He took him from this place to shepherd the people of Israel. I want to tell you today, David, before he could shepherd the people of Israel, he says he did it with skillful hands. The reason why he did it is because he learned it in the sheep pen first. Some of us need to learn in the sheep pen first before we can deal with the bigger things. David faithfully served in the sheep pen. He served in the sheep pen. He served in the place where it didn't look like a great ministry. But when he did that, he faithfully did it. He acted in faith. He knew that in his heart that one day he would be called. He knew that one day, even when he was called up to to fight Goliath, he knew what can make a young boy do what he did against Goliath. It's the Spirit of God in him that calls him. And by faith he stood. He was was built up in the sheep pen. Some of us need today, today need to need to learn that when we invest now, even if it doesn't look like the full thing. It doesn't look like the end result of our future. Get ready. Start investing in the sheep pen. Because one day God is going to use you in a greater measure. It takes faith to do this. It takes faith. We need to be ready. 
We need to be ready for the challenges. Jesus, that day, himself was in the boat. Do you know, Jesus spoke all day to the people. He spoke and preached to them. And he says, he was even ready. It's like, it's like he said, I'm not going to sit in a comfy chair and preach to you all day because I'm going to stick around. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to be ready because by the end of this preach, I'm off. Because there is more to do. There is a destiny at the other side of this lake. It looks pretty dangerous. We need to be prepared. Number two today is we need to be ready for the challenges. If they prepared themselves, they got their boats ready. Some of them had the boats. We need to be prepared for challenges. Verse 37 said this, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that it was nearly, say nearly, nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I know if I was them, I'd be thinking, this is, just, this is all good and well, isn't it, you know? Jesus, he's been preaching to us all day. Now we're in the middle of this storm and he's asleep. He's got the best spot on the boat where all he is trying to struggle and he's sleeping and he's got a cushion. We'd be getting pretty angry by now. Out of nowhere, we heard it earlier, Matthew says that suddenly, suddenly out of nowhere this storm comes. I want to say this to you today. Because some people think that when you do act in faith and you prepare for your destiny, some people think that when we do that, that the Lord makes it pretty easy, that it makes our path straight. He does make our path straight. But you need to be ready for some challenges. You need to be ready for some serious challenges. In fact, do you know what? The more I've laid my life down and acted in faith and prepared myself, then done it, I've seen more challenges than I've ever seen in my life. Challenges are coming. He does make our path straight. But challenges are going to come. If you're going to be prepared to act in faith and to prepare yourself to go to the other side, you've got to get ready for a storm. Stepping out in faith doesn't mean an easy ride. It's a challenge. They were hit suddenly. All of a sudden, out of the blue, they're on this boat. Jesus is having a nap because he's been preaching all day. The first thing we should learn from that is Jesus was all human as well as being God. He was tired. Some of us all need a rest sometime, don't we? I had a good one yesterday. But Jesus rested in the boat. It was important for him to do that. But then all of a sudden, they're all on the top. They're all excited. They're all excited about what they've heard Jesus preach on all day. All of a sudden, out of the blue, this storm just whips up. This furious squall. Jesus says that we should be ready for these storms. I believe it was a massive lesson for them all. It was a massive lesson that if you're going to follow him, if you're going to go to the other side, you're going to find that you're right in the middle, the eye of the storm. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says this, Consider it in the message. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Here it is. James says it. He says, consider it a sheer gift, the message says. NIV says, consider it pure joy. I don't know about you, but I don't know whether when attacks come and challenges come, if I'm going to lay everything down for Jesus, if I'm going to do this and say, Lord, I'm going to buy my boat, invest into this, do everything for you, then the next minute a sudden attack comes on me. I'm not sure I want that. I'm not sure I find that a gift or joy, Jesus. But he says, consider it a gift. 
Because the reason for this challenge and test is to bring about and to do a work in you that you cannot see on the outside. It's doing something inside of you that you cannot physically see. We all want physical, we want to see things. It's doing things in our hearts. The Lord looks at the heart, not the outside. He's trying to change our hearts. James says, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colors. In other words, how many of you know this? When I'm ill these last few days, my true colors come out, I think. It's true, isn't it? When we're a bit ill, Emma's been doing really well getting things for me and doing things, you know, around the house. She'd come upstairs and say, are you asleep? And I'd pretend I was. Didn't answer. You've been in bed a long time. I know. She couldn't move. But God wants to do a work in us through these challenges, through these tests, the storms that come. We need to be ready for them. To live a life of faith, you've got to expect challenges. You've got to expect these things to come your way. James says, let it do its work. I don't know about you, but we just ignore these scriptures. We don't like these scriptures in our fridge. When the challenges come, consider it pure joy. Let it do its work in me. No, no, no. We love, we love the scriptures that say that God's going to bless us and that there's no problems in life being a Christian. I'll tell you what, when those men were right in the middle of that lake, they'd have been thinking, boy, I wish I was on the shore with those guys. I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like being here in the dark, in a furious squall, in a storm that just seems to be out of control. I'll tell you this, it must have been bad for them if fishermen were getting a bit scared. They knew storms, but if they started to get scared of their own lives, it must have been a serious storm. Sometimes we blame the storms on the enemy. But I believe that the Lord allowed this to test them. He allowed it to bring a test and a challenge, just as James says to us, to bring about a character in them, to change character, to bring their true colors out, to let it do its work. I want to say this, a test is to refine us, not to finish us. It's to refine us and not to finish us. God's faith test will only ever apply pressure, I've put. They'll never swamp us. So many of us think that we're going to be swamped. We're going to be crushed by these tests. But what did we read earlier? It says that nearly, the waves nearly swamped them. Nearly. Such a key word. The Message Bible says this, the waves poured into the boat threatening to sink it. They didn't sink it. They were threatening. Does it sound a little bit like the enemy when he's at work? He threatens us. It nearly gets us. But Jesus says, stand the test. Because it's doing some work in you that you've got no idea about. Those who want to step out into a destiny and a future with God, into their calling, who want to cross the other side, who've invested and bought the boat, whether you're on the boat and you're close to Jesus or you're saying at last minute, I've got a little boat and I'm carrying on behind, whoever you are, you're going and there's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a storm. Get ready for it. Jesus wants us to be future-proofed for these tests, to be ready for them. Do you know what Jesus taught at the shore before all this happened? Do you know what he was saying to the people amongst few parables? One of the main parables that Jesus spoke on before he rocks, he, he leaves, leaves them all to it. He talks about sowing the seed. The parable of the sower. He talks about that when he gives this parable of the, the, the four types of seed that will land on people and how they land and how they develop in people. You might say, well, what's that got to do with it? I believe it's got a lot to do with it. Because I believe that what Jesus was preaching the day on that, on that boat to the crowds 
He was about to release his word and now he was going to put it into action. He was going to test them on the word. Those on the shore, unfortunately, couldn't be tested. But he was taking them out into the waters and it was right now, right in the heart of the eye of the storm. He was saying to them, you know what, earlier on, in other words, earlier on, I spoke to you about the the, the word, how it lands in you. How it lands in your heart. How deep it is in your heart. Whether it will produce fruit. And what he says is this. And if you read about the parable of the so it says when troubles come, some people disregarded the word. And what he was saying in effect is that soon he could have said this to him. Do you know what? I'm going to put this into practice because those who cross over with me shortly afterwards are going to have a challenge and a test to see whether what I've preached all day is really real in your hearts. Fortunately, the ones who were on the shore never got the opportunity for the test. But right there and then when they're on this boat, there's an opportunity for them to respond to say, do you know what? The word has landed in my heart and it's deep and it's meaningful and I'm going to... Take this test. He said, consider it a pure joy. Consider it a pure joy. Some of us don't like it when these storms come. We don't like it when these challenges come. And they come out of nowhere. I remember a few years ago, it was, it was about a year or so after we got married. We went on our honeymoon to Sri Lanka. And the following year we had to cut back a little. And so we said, we'll go to France and we'll go camping. I said, Emma, I used to go camping when I was younger all the time. We're going to travel to France and it's going to be a little bit cheaper. And we'll go there. So we went to the west coast of France. And we drove about 700 miles in the car, took our tent and spent uh, two weeks there. And one day we were at this campsite. And... I said, this, these guys came over to me and they said, will you help us move a caravan? And Emma said, you go, you help them. So I said, I'm coming. So I went over to the other side of this campsite to help them shift this caravan. And there was loads of us. It was a huge caravan. So I'm pushing this caravan. And I'm telling you now, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, these dark clouds just came. It just invaded the, the, it was like a bright sunny day to change to these dark clouds. And I'm there pushing the caravan. I said to this guy, he goes, look at it, how it's just changed so quickly. He said, yeah, yeah, mate. He goes, round here, he he wasn't French, by the way. (laughs) He said, yes. He goes, round here, he said, the storms come just like this. He says, "Off, off the Atlantic, they will come so quickly. He goes, you have to be ready for them at night too. I thought, I never told Emma that. I never saw that in the Michelin Guide when I looked. I just saw four-star campsite with swimming pool. Let's go. And so I, I said to him, I said, no way. He said, yeah. He goes, you watch how quick it comes. So I'm pushing the caravan. I'm aware that Emma's back at the tent, just looking after the tent. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this storm hits. The lightning strikes, fault lightning. The wind just gushed through. And we were still pushing this caravan. And all the time I'm thinking, I hope Emma's okay, but we need to move the caravan. So I did. And then eventually I said, I'm going to have to go because my wife's back at the tent. I went back over and Emma was there with the mallet trying to put the guy ropes in because I never put them in, trying to keep the tent down. She said, you better put these in now. And she went and sat in the car while I was there trying to hammer these metal pegs in while the lightning's firing down. And I'm just looking at her in the car. She said, apparently it's safe if you're in the car with the rubber wheels. I thought, well, good for you. And I was there putting these tent pegs in, trying to get the extra guy ropes in case it, it went. And we were scared. In fact, the rest of the holiday, she said, I'm never going back to there again, ever. The majority of that holiday must have been about seven or eight more nights. We were woke up in the night. The, the lightning was so powerful. It just lit up the whole tent. You didn't need camping lights. People were getting into their cars, sleeping in their cars. But these storms would come so quickly and sudden. And we weren't prepared. We'd not put the garrows. I got there, I saw the sunshine. I thought, well, there's not, you don't get storms here. Some of us need to be ready. We need to be ready for the challenges that are ahead. 
if we're going to live a life by faith. Finally, number three, be still and know. The first thing they did was wake Jesus up. The first thing they did when they're in trouble, they just went and wake, woke him up. They went down to the stern and said, Oh, Jesus, do you know what's going on up here? You've just been preaching all these messages. And look now what's happening. The storms hit us. Do you want us to die? Do you care if we drown? And there they were trying to wake Jesus up. Their faith, this test began to show their weakness. They just heard the word of God. They just heard him preach on that the seed shall be sown in you. How strong is it going to go? How deep is it going to be rooted in you? Right away, and this test comes there. They're trying to wake Jesus up. Don't you care about us? The first thing we all do is this. When challenges come, we start blaming God. We start putting the blame on him saying, you don't care. You don't understand. If you want to meet have a, a good life, Lord, we go to the other side of this lake with no storm. They accuse Jesus. Are you angry today with God? Are you crossing the lake already? And you're angry with him because you feel like life's just hit you halfway through the lake with the biggest storm. And you're thinking, what is going on here? If Jesus really loved me, if he really cared for me and wanted for me to live a life of faith, would he allow this? And now you're probably in a time where you're saying, I don't know if you really do care about me, Jesus. Well, the disciples said the same thing. They said, do you care? The same people who were his best friends riding the boat along, do you really care? Jesus didn't ignore him. He got up, he went up to the top of the boat, and he says he rebuked the wind. And then he spoke to the waves and said, be quiet, be still. I don't know about you, we said it earlier, but Jesus, if he's tired, it shows all his human side. But this one thing that you hear here, this very miracle in itself, it shows the very, what we would call the Christology of who Jesus is. It shows that he is the son of God. Because if the one who could make the earth, the one who could make all the things we see around us, could speak to them and they would obey his word, he is the son of the living God. Amen? Amen. He is the Son of God. So many people we meet on the streets of other religions say he's just a prophet. Read this. A prophet does not speak to the waves and the wind. A prophet cannot command the elements of this world to change and to be calm. He is the Son of the living God. Amen. Right there and then. He says, be quiet to the ways. He said to his disciples then, why are you so afraid? I mean, what a, in, in one sense, what a, a crazy question. I know something, I would be afraid. If I had just seen this serious storm that I'm a fisherman, and even as a fisherman, I am scared. I'd be saying, well, wouldn't you be afraid? He says, why are you afraid? Here it is. He's letting the word of God develop in them. Do its work in them, as James says. To bring their true colors and character out. Do you know what it says then? He says, why are you so afraid? He says, do you still have no faith? He means, did you never had it before. Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Not, have you lost your faith a little bit? He says, do you still have no faith? Don't you see? They had faith enough to get on the boats and cross, but the faith level were not enough to operate in the kingdom that he wanted to operate in. He wanted to teach them a lesson, to show them that they are following the Son of God who can speak to the winds and the waves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Max Licardo says this, a great author and a speaker. 
He says, feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will starve. What are you feeding today? Are you feeding your fears? Or are you feeding your faith with the word of God? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. The more you read, the more you listen, the more you hear. The more you hear the messages just like they did, the crowds on the beach. It feeds faith. Hallelujah. Fear, we said earlier, is this biggest obstacle. But he said, be still to the waves. The right there and then. He says this to me, he says, why are you so afraid? Do you know what it says in the next line? He says, they were terrified. But do you know what? It says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? I don't know if you've seen this before, but by now, the sea's calm, remember. By now, the storm has stopped and gone. By now, there is nothing happening. It's still. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid? But he says, they were terrified and asked each other. Do you know what they were terrified of? Of Jesus. There was a holy fear that came when they saw him speak to the wind and the waves. There was a holy fear that came upon them that said, they were terrified and said to each other, who is this? That he can speak to these elements and change them. By now they weren't just afraid. To be terrified means you're really afraid. What Jesus did in this test is to bring about a fear that is a good fear. And that is the holy fear of the Lord. It's the holy fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, what happened right there is they were absolutely afraid. Then they asked Jesus to help them. This word becomes active. They realize they need him. When Jesus commands the winds and the waves and it calms to nothing. He says they were terrified. But they were terrified of the Savior. They were terrified in a holy fear because for one second, in a split second, they said, who is this? They realized who he was, that he was the son of God. I want to tell you this. If you need a fear, it needs to be a fear of God because it will bring understanding of the holy one. It will bring an understanding of who he is. If you know who he is, the next time you get a test, it will be completely different because you'll be acting on the knowledge of who the Holy One is. Not that he's just a prophet, that he is the Son of God. That you are walking along in your life with the Holy Spirit. The one who has the keys to life and death. I want to ask you just as I close, what about those other boats? What about those other boats? Have you ever thought about this story? With those other little boats, the other boats it mentioned. And I want to ask you, have you ever thought about the crowds who were on the lake at the other side who we just left? Because I want to ask you right now, you've just had in this story the camera view, camera number one's view of the whole story. When the storm came, they went into the stern and they called Jesus and he said this and he said that and they realized who he was and knowledge came and they understood. But have you ever thought about the other boats? Because right there and then on that lake that day, there were boats who were following Jesus' boat. They, on camera number two, as they looked, did not know the dialogue that was going on on, on the boat. 
They did not know what was happening in their view. Some of you are like this today. You're not spending as much time with Jesus. You're not as close to Jesus. You're not in communion with him anymore. You're not near him on the stern. You're on the other boats just tagging along behind someone else, looking and thinking, I wish I was so close to Jesus with those lot who are really pursuing God. And you're there on the other little boats, and this is the kind of view you get. You're looking, thinking, Jesus is on that boat. There's a struggle, and you have no conversation with him because you have no communion with him and what you're looking at is a boat that is is being tossed around by the waves nearly swamped nearly crushed by this storm and what you're saying is do you know what I'm going to give up on Jesus because Jesus is on that boat he's just been preaching to me on the beach and I can't see him doing nothing you can't have any dialogue with him because you don't even want to You're just tagging along. Well, do you know what? When that sea calmed and it all went still, they must have thought, oh, it must have just passed. Did they really know what Jesus had done? Only till they got to the other side of the lake. Some of you, you're only happy when you hear the result afterwards. Some of us are on that boat with Jesus saying, do you know, I'm so glad I've got this dialogue to understand, to let the word of God become real to me. Then there is the people on the shore, as I finish. Those on the shore who turned around, they had their toe dipped in the water, listening all day to these boats, and then they went and they thought, good for you, you go out onto this water. But they went back to their homes. These are the ones who looked and said, ha, I'm glad I wasn't them. They must be dead by now. Look at the storm out there. Look at what's happened. What a bad idea. What a bad idea. I enjoyed the message today, but do you know what? I'm not so sure about this Christianity anymore. Look at the storm. And so many of us can be like those. We look on the shore. We look on the other number camera, number three view. We're the ones who didn't invest. We're the ones who didn't invest in our time, in our future, who were willing to take the risk and see Jesus really doing what he was doing. And we go back to our homes and we observe with our telescope and looking at the Sea of Galilee. And we're saying, ha, I knew it was wrong all along. This is the seed that falls on the ground that doesn't bear, get root. We look at a distance and within a moment we ridicule. I want to ask you today, which one of those three are you? Which one? I want to be the one who's right in the eye of the storm. Because if you look at the story, The best place to be is right there with Jesus Christ, close by, even when it's tough. Because you will learn everything about the kingdom of God, what it is to operate in faith, have a destiny and a future in him, even when you're scared stiff. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.